Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with, once again, Howard Tybal. I am now in a better place. Actually, I was in a great place last time. <laughs> now you're now you're in a better place. Are you on an island? Well, no. I'm just saying I'm not. I'm not sitting in my car. Well, that's good. Once once yeah. in a blue moon. But I'll tell you, you can't tell. You sound great wherever you are. <laughs> no, you listen. You you got the whole system. If people could see what the the, the mechanics and the technology you have in that space age, Pete Wright little cabin in the woods. I call it the lander. This is it the is, lander. It's the, the lander. <laughs> the lem. <laughs> Join me in the lem. Hey, we're talking about uh, we're talking about Sweetbriar today. What an yeah. interesting conversation this is. Uh, it, this has turned out uh, to be in the uh, marketplace of education. Before we get to that, though, uh, head over to tybalink.com, Learn a little bit more about the show. Uh, find us. Subscribe for free in iTunes or on our email uh, mailing list, and connect with Howard at Howard Tybal on Twitter, uh, or you can find Tybalink on LinkedIn. We would love to connect with you in either of those places. So. That's that. Old business out of the way. Uh, why is Sweetbriar bubbling up again for us, Howard? Mm. Well, yeah, I did mention I wanted to talk about this. And what, what, I, what I think is um, worth noting, uh, probably a month ago, I was maybe a little bit longer. I had the privilege of sitting in and listening to a talk at the AGB trusteeship conference in Phoenix. Uh, and it was really it was a dialogue and a panel about this very topic, and there were some really uh, engaged members of the audience that had tremendous knowledge too of the background was going on. And I think what's happening over time, and there was a lot of speculation. Uh, there was a recognition one that this was in the courts, uh, although we didn't quite know where that would lead. More information has come out about this trust, uh, and you know whether it's the New York Times, the Washington Post. Uh, you know we've got a recent article uh, or editorial written by a former board member telling the story about the. And this I think this just came out yesterday or today. Uh, well, as we're recording this Diana. today, yeah. Okay, today, exactly. You know, Sweetbriar's leaders didn't kill off the school, external forces did. And that was an. Now, if you're skeptical, if you're cynical, you're saying, of course, that's what a former board member is going to say. And then tomorrow is, I think, the, the, the hearing uh, on the Sweetbriar that's going to be in the court. So we're still in the middle of where is this going, although, you know, this is now May, uh, whatever date it is, uh, and they're coming up on their com- commencement. And what did you read to me, Pete, that, well, that yeah, is their said? Commencement, their commencement just happened, and, and uh, on May 16th, amid hugs and cheers and smiles and tears, 132 undergrads and six grad students walked across the stage at Sweetbriar's 106th and possibly last commencement. Right. So there you go. You know, this idea that possibly last commencement, I think that there are, you know, listen, if you, if you care as deeply about that school in the way I know that anyone listening to this cares deeply about their school, you're going to hold on to hope uh, as long as you can, that maybe there's a way out of this one. What's relevant for me about this, and I think in the work that the those that are guiding institutions, whether it's faculty or administrators or trustees or presidents, is that this is becoming the kind of story that's allowing more institutions to say, let's take our head. If our head was a little bit in the sand, let's, let's peek out a little further. If our head has been completely in the sand, let's dig ourselves out and have some of the tough conversations. And 
I am convinced because when I, you know, when I'm traveling and I'm showing, I have a slide where I show a picture of these two women hugging each other, and it says it's talking about Sweetbriar's demise, and it was right after it happened. And I will make the statement that you know whether it's all these other challenges or this recent incident with the school that nobody saw it coming. It wasn't on anybody's watch list. And all of a sudden the board made the choice. I think that there's this presumption that the board acted hastily without any any evidence, uh, without any data. And I think over time, we're going to find that the story has a lot of nuance in it as we hear more and more board members. You know, I'm just going to read one thing that uh, Diane Dalton wrote. Uh, And she wrote, it's important to note as well that the reductions in administrative staff were a response to Sweetbriar's growing financial problems uh, and were identified in collaboration with faculty and staff and approved by the board. So that is an example for me that that we need to, as observers, begin to step back and continue to gather information and listen and learn about what really happened here were the faculty involved in a way that is suggested in here? It was. It was. Uh, she she claims that where was this, Pete? It's, she said eight hundred faculty members. What was it again? Yeah, it, she says uh, nearly eight hundred people, including members of the board, campus community, and alumni, were fully involved in the strategic planning process or planning exercise that led to the quote plan for a sustainable excellence. I what I don't know about the plan for sustainable excellence is. Is that the thing that effectively closed the school, or is that the plan that happened in 2001, 2000, or two, through 2006 right, right. to help get the school back on board? Because by all rights, this was a school that was certainly in endowment trouble long ago. Yes. Where we are right now with this, and my guess is when people are listening to this podcast, we're going to even have more information, is, is that this is an opportunity to step back and go, what does this teach us? And I think there's multiple lessons here. One lesson is that having the conversation around the worst case scenario, most likely case and best case scenario, we need to have those conversations more authentically and more explicitly as leaders. So I was in a conversation with a president actually today, and he was relating to me that, you know, we're talking about having me come and lead some kind of uh, board gathering with their senior leadership. And he, and he, and he was very, very honest about the fact that we're not having the brutal facts conversation. We have it indirectly. We make assumptions about what each other knows, but we don't put on the plate, on the table, what we understand to be the facts about what are going on. I think Sweetbriar, one lesson is that we should have and give each other more permission to have a tough conversation. And the, the, the dilemma for this, the reason why we don't do it, is I think most of us are afraid if we have the conversation, it opens the door to it increasing the, the likelihood that we're going to go down that path. And we're either going to find ourselves in the 11th hour going, oh, my God, we're there, and we have to make a decision now, but we didn't really talk about it. Or we either trust that talking about it doesn't mean we're going to necessarily act on it, but we're going to have more and better information to decide together what's the right thing to do. I do believe the trustees 
did what they think, what they thought was right for their situation. This one statement by Diane, I think, summed it up. Despite our collective passionate belief in the power of women's education, this belief was not enough to enable Sweetbriar to attract and retain the number of students needed to survive, much less thrive. So you take that, P, what Diane just talked about, and you, and you also add into this what was in the Atlantic today in this article, The Unfortunate Fate of Sweetbriar's Professors. And why don't you just read uh, that quote that is yeah. in that article. This is uh, this is from John Castine, who's an associate professor of poetry, and and you know, in the process of this conversation, he highlights that that six years ago, Forbes had listed the college as being one of the most unstable financial situations <laughs> private colleges in the U.S., and he says it is impossible to say that any of us lacked information to understand how dire the situation was. At the same time, not a single person thought there was any possibility that the college was going to close at the end of this year. It was very abrupt, a huge surprise. You know, so, so that should say everything to us, uh, because if you are if you are observing this and you've got any connection to higher education, you can only imagine what it would be like for a faculty member to wake up one day and hear this news. This is in the realm of impossible. And at the same time, what I find so compelling about that that quote is that he also started by saying. We can't pretend we didn't know we were in a hard place. But guess what? So many of our peers are in a hard place. And we assumed that going forward that they would figure it out. And what the board did, right or wrong. And so I think that forever we're going to be – we're going to have people on the cap and saying what, what they did was wrong. And others that are going to say they did their job is that they – did not keep the place open in the absence of saying we have a plan that can make this place uh, viable, vibrant, and and that there's a quote that I heard in this panel that spoke at AGB, and it was that survival is not a mission. And I'll tell you something. That's a statement that so many institutions are have got to be sitting with saying if they listen if they're honest with themselves, if survival is not a mission then what are we doing? And right. I'm not saying they're not doing something, you know, there's keeping the trains running and filling the next year's class. But if you don't have an answer to this is where we want to go in response to some of the challenges we're having, whether you're an all, you know, all women's or all men's school, that that's an additional constraint that they have. But there are enough middle tier, I'll just you know, pick on, you know, unfortunately, they're always picked on in these conversations, the liberal arts institutions, but those middle tier institutions that rely heavily on their tuition don't have huge endowments. And if, if survival is not a mission, then do we really have a mission that we can look back and say 20 years from now or even 10 years from now, we can see where we're going? And that to me is the work that we have in front of us is to figure out how to, how to have those right conversations with the faculty, with the administration, and with the boards it, all together in a room having a shared conversation around this. This is where this has to go. They cannot – one of one – of, not Sweetbriars, but all of higher education's failure is, is that we don't do a good enough job involving 
these three constituencies in a shared conversation. Yeah, I think that's I, I think that's a, a really good way to put it. It's funny you started out this this thing saying that you know of the lessons from Sweetbriar, and lesson one was give ourselves permission to have the brutal facts conversation more publicly. And and I feel like we're we started with lesson one, and in fact lesson five is also that too. You know, lessons <laughs> two through five is is give ourselves that permission. The economic impact I think is what raises the the sort of eyebrow, the challenges they're having obviously in the courts, the challenges because Amherst County boasts Sweetbriar. Briar as being one of the the largest employers in the area, you know. Yes. The, that, oh God, the, the ripple effect is huge. It is, and you just made that point that really struck home to me that when you're working at a at a particularly at a university, right? I, I, universities are institutions; they are brick and mortar foundation that represent something so grand in their local community and beyond. Yes. You never imagined that this place with these beautiful facilities would possibly risk closing. Obviously, it'll be here forever. That's that's just how you think. I think when you're when you're there. So I can really relate to it. And I think you you know the other sad point that I wanted to make is it it's it is so easy for us outside of the Sweetbriar Institution to jump on one bandwagon or the other and say, well, you didn't have enough information. They they had too much. They had all the information they ever needed. The the bottom line is, you know, I I, I think a point you made. We won't really know. We won't really know the kinds of conversations that they had. No. Uh, all we know is that they were incredibly difficult. There are, are people out there, it's, it's a harder thing to say this, that considers what that leadership did, uh, that, that those trustees courageous. And that's, a, that's something that will not be spoken publicly because um, is it courageous to affect people's lives in such a negative way? Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer is, the answer in, in many ways is no. That's not what I'm pointing to. What I'm talking about being courageous about saying is what's right for the institution. Is it Are we going to continue on a slow decline in the absence of having a, a genuine plan to get us out of it? Uh, or are we going to bite the bullet and say we know what's going on? I'm telling you, there's schools out there right now that should be having this conversation, even if they choose. We are not going there. But we can say we had the conversation. That's the power of the Sweetbriar uh, story is that people should be able to say we're not closing. We're not merging. But we had the conversation. Right. And and that in itself demonstrates your commitment then what you are willing to do. I think that is a, a really great assessment. I, I Frankly, I hope they figure it out. I hope they figure out how to come. I hope— the campaigns like SavingSweetbriar.com, this camp, alumni campaign, I hope they're able to figure it out. Um, but it is certainly becoming, as you say, more and more clear that more and more institutions are having this conversation or should. You know, and I'll tell you something, Pete, if they can't figure it out, I, I lead this, I have this workshop on change. And I have a presumption, this is not 100% true, but in no way is life a hundred percent. You can't you can't avoid the bad in life. I don't care who you are, but I have a presumption that most people will land on their feet. And if it does go through closing, and faculty members are at a point where they still want to teach, they will find a way to do this. Now, I'm not minimizing the hardship this might cause, but most of us, in the face of adversity, will step up and then down the road we'll look back and say that was a painful lesson and it was a painful thing to go through and I'm in a good or better place. 
I choose to think that way. Not everybody lands in that place, and that's some of the real. That is the reality of life. That's what I'm hoping for anybody that's affected by Sweetbriar is that they take that point of view forward. Because this is a skill set we all have to get better at. Uh, because I don't think I don't think we're out of the woods on this one. I think this is the beginning of uh, a, a, an accelerating kind of change, where the schools that are that that are willing to invest themselves in really looking at themselves honestly and saying, how do we want to grow? They will survive. The schools that keep their head in the sand and are not willing to have the honest conversations, they're at risk of falling into the same demise that happened to Sweetbriar. So so I think that we have to not only put our best foot forward, but we have to recognize that and, and hopefully support each other to not let adversity cause us to think that we can't land on our two feet, because I think most people do. Excellent, excellent way to close, Howard. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I appreciate I appreciate this conversation with you, and it helps me uh, just just to be able to think about these things out loud. Me too. Me too. Hope uh, everybody else got some of these same uh, great lessons, uh, particularly lesson one, which was repeated a number of times. <laughs> Uh, and head over to tybalink.com, learn more about us on the show. Thank you so much. Reach out to us at Howard Tybal on Twitter, or I'm at Pete Wright. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Sweetbriar. Uh, and we, we should be able to say in a, in a coming episode, we'll do a, just a, a brief recap because we'll know more yes, in the coming exactly. days about how this, how this is all going to shake out. It should be a very interesting uh, next month. So thanks, everybody. And we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybalink. Link.